Mentally Morbid. This podcast represents the opinions of the speakers and guests to the show. By listening to this podcast or reading any content posted or shared by the Mentally Morbid creators, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as psychological advice. The content should not be used in lieu of medical or psychological advice or any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care. The content here is for entertainment and educational purposes only. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or blog. Please consult healthcare professionals for any medical or psychological care. Welcome back, Mentally Morbid listeners. It's episode 57. How did that happen? You wrote it. I did. This is Annie, currently checking and to see which episode we're on. Annie. <laughs> 57. Annie and? Sorry, Annie and Luna behind me. My, my kitty cat, Luna. It is actually 57, yes. I thought 58 in my head. If this ever ends up on YouTube, people are going to be offended you didn't introduce her. This is Kinsey. Yes. And I'm Kayla. And that's Who all I got. So I, don't I have figured out something me. today. I learned something. It's very important. Is this going to be stupid? I think it's very important. Oh, well God. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so I learned that if you take a white Russian and you add a little half and half and you add coffee because you're feeling tired and you're like, what the hell, might as well. It tastes like a nice coffee. So Why I not just make iced coffee with iced alcohol? Russian. That's because just iced that's because just it was iced a, coffee with vodka. No, it was a pre-made Kahlua mix. And I was like, you know what, though? I'm feeling tired and I don't want to make hot tea. Don't have time for that. So I was like, let's just pour some coffee in there. Don't have time to make a hot cup of tea. Well, that's why I was five minutes late. You have a Keurig. I don't have a Keurig. I don't have a Keurig for hot tea. Let me see. see. I have a Um, a tea kettle. Wow, that I, is a cool story, Annie. I was you watching. Know, when you uh, drank from that cup, I knew it was a white Russian. I even asked. Uh, iced Russian, she said. I, I watched coffee. TV last night, and the guy was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to do a little cocaine because the downers got me too down, right? I'll just even it out. Yep. And that reminds me a I've lot seen of that. Annie right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, too many uppers. Oh, let's bring it down. And she's like, oh, wait. She's right. Too many she's fine. She's fine tuning. Yeah, a little stressy and depressing. You got your vodka. When you get a little too soft, too relaxed. Yeah, a little too relaxed. You gotta have something that's gonna perk you up a little bit. It's a good. You gotta get a little bump. Right, just a little up and down. Just fine tuning. I have made hot coffee. I mean, no, hot tea for myself the past week. It's so nice because one, I don't want to drink coffee at nighttime. Like some people. Um, and two. Tea has caffeine. Yeah, but. It, depends I on the tea. Can't. It does. But I bet hers does. But it also depends on the tea. It does. I'll wait. That's all I got. <laughs> what kind of tea? Um, this is. This is like. Mm, great question. Glad what? you asked. No, um, <laughs> mostly I'm drinking tea because I am so cold in my house oh, that I can't, my internal organs are frozen. <laughs> I have to thaw ridiculous. myself out from the inside out. 
I was walking That's across the fine. street a bit ago to get see if they had yeah. any garland. And I looked at Kevin and I said, it's really cold. And it's <laughs> not even winter. Yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't do? really get in January. Uh, January in February, it just suck. January, February might be a telehealth only time of year. <laughs> that sounds I, like a good plan. I wore my biggest sweater today and it's November 28th. So, <gasps> guys, so I went, DJ took me Black Friday shopping and I got yeah. this very fluffy, like, um, you sent a picture. It's it was in the so bag. fluffy jacket. I had a kid first day I wore it. It was yesterday, and I will never wear it back to work because <laughs> it was hanging on the back of my chair, and a child is hiding under my desk for funsies, you know, mm-hmm. and then proceeds to take the jacket <laughs> into his hands and then just rub it. Oh no! Over nose and i was like no and I, so i'm that's never happening again i'm never taking that jacket now back you gotta work. get a sherpa blanket for work though tactile uh, i have a space heater no for the kids oh no i won't be doing that i won't be washing that that's a good point she you said she doesn't care about them. those children they have a blanket in there and they have a huge corner full of stuffed animals they're fine they want a Sherpa. It wasn't a Sherpa jacket. What is it then? What's the material? It's just fluffy. What kind of fluffy? Like Sherpa fluffy? Not Remember? Sherpa. Wait, this wait. is Sherpa. Remember okay. Sherpa. Yes, listen. Okay, so Kayla's texting us. And she said something to the effect of the story oh that she was at SPFT material. Now, keep in mind that when we text Kayla, if she says an acronym that we apparently are supposed to know, according to Kayla, she will tell us to use context clues. You have Google, things like that. If she asks us a question, we're like, oh, let me clarify for you because clearly you don't oh, understand. Oh, bullshit. God you don't ever forbid. God educational. <laughs> ask her if I ever ask her what a purple girl is again. I just don't know at this point okay. because okay. Well, that's that was that's a me thing. She, but she's thing. also said that like eighty times. So I have. <laughs> just so anyways. A, so she texts us. There's one that she does that to you though. There's one for you. Um, there's probably many for me. I don't know. She had <laughs> she did it to me first, but she was like, "You have Google." And I was like, well, fuck me then. I guess I'll just Google it when I could just ask you. But anyway, so she says SPFT material. I'm thinking like, okay, well, I'm not really in on trends. I guess it's just like some kind of trendy material or maybe it's specific to stores. I'm even thinking like, you know, like when people go like hiking, they have like all kind of acronyms for shit you don't know because I don't have the money to know about what kind of things they have. Hours later... I don't remember how we found out she meant so. Oh, because you came on, you were like SPFT dot dot dot. <laughs> I said, yeah, SPFT, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I came back like six hours later, <laughs> and I'm like, hey guys, SPFT is soft because P and O are right next to each other. I just, it's just misspelled. <clears throat> And then they were both. She never corrected herself. 
I said, was busy. She said all the letters were there. Just figure it out. <laughs> okay, Grandma. Oh, because that's what you said right after. Because I said SPFT. You said I meant what I said. And that's what I'm thinking. Later, like, no, you did. She did. She said, "I meant what I said." I really thought I it did. Was a, I did. I, I thought did. it was a thing. <laughs> no, right. I meant what I said was supposed to say. I know I fucked up, but I'm not going to correct it. Listen, I did Google it before I asked you, just so you know, because I was ready for your smart ass <laughs> response. And let me tell you, when I when you look it up, St. Paul Federation of Educators, there was another <laughs> one about specialized something. But did you type in S uh, S P-F-T. I searched SPFT acronyms, single S-P-F-T. pass flow through St. Oh, Paul wait. Federation of Teachers. No, it was just misspelled soft. <laughs> guys, guys, I think I can look. I'm pretty sure I can share my screen. I hope this works. Look, look what it says. SPFT material. <laughs> Show <the> results. <laughs> For soft oh, my material. God. <laughs> even Google, oh, even Google fixes it. Even so you know who doesn't fix it until 18 hours later? Kayla. Even Google I won't fix knows. it anymore. I SPFT. Well, now I'm not going to trust you anymore. It doesn't matter. That's fine. I didn't know you trusted me to begin with, but okay. Randomly. At random times. At times that I don't really care enough. I care. Um, this reminds me. Okay. So. Me and DJ have spent a lot of time with our niece lately. Um, And when we were in Florida, there was, you know, the factories that they produce a lot of like water vapor and it's just white puffy steam, basically. Well, she's like, we were just like walking down the street and she points at it and she goes, no, I'll I'll ask you, I'll answer you in a question in a minute. No. What, Kenzie? How old is she? She's 12. That will impact a lot of how I... Okay, go ahead. Okay, she's 12. She's 12. She looks at it and she goes, pollution. And I was like, I was like, no, that's a cloud factory. And she was like, no. And I was like, yeah, that's how they make clouds. And she was like, "Mm, no. What about precipitation and it reminded me a lot of you annie (laughs) when i can just deadpan tell you (laughs) something is real and you just believe me listen i was the kid who you had to remind not to get into the strangers vans just because they said they had puppies okay i'm a bit gullible i trust what can i say i i randomly you're pretty gullible yeah i'm very gullible yeah you it doesn't take much i i just get excited about certain things Knowledge is one of them. My mother thought that brown cows made chocolate milk until she was about 13. Shout out, Brenda. Oh, no. It runs in the family. Oh, no. Kenzie, what's something you're gullible about? I feel like I'm just pretty gullible as well. I feel like I just... I just am. I feel like I could have... I feel like if you guys were there, I could have fully convinced you that because of climate change, they have to produce water vapor through means of factories so that the water cycle still has water pr- to produce clouds i, feel I like could have full on no not on that made not on that if i don't know much about that's where i'm going if i don't know the answer 
then I'll believe you when you tell me the answer, unless you look funny <laughs> saying it. If I, if I know it, then I'm going to call bullshit the whole time or just think you're dumb and wrong. So I'm either judgmental or gullible. There's only two hmm. routes here. I could have convinced Kinsey then, for sure. That's possible, yes. <laughs> She's just hard <laughs> nodding. Hard nodding. I'm yeah, say, oh. yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, that's for like- sure. Cloud factory. Yeah. Whoa, clouds. <laughs> you know, I hey, was like, okay. Are those, that? those are the ones that are in Forsyth, right? The ones that live in Cochrane? Cochrane? I don't know. <laughs> I don't actually know where that is. <laughs> is that north? It's uh, not of you. How do it's you know? There. It's over there. Oh, yeah, over there. Least. Kinsey, I know you? that it's south of me. That's all I got. Oh, yeah. So that's how. Oh, yeah. South of Macon. Look at that. Um, I will say, though, it's actually. Yeah, it's a little south, too. Anyways. It's Weast. Right. I don't know how to be more clear. Weast. Well, you could be a little more clear. Pick one. Kinsey, what are you drinking? Beer. Sparkly Apple champagne cider. It's like a bottle from Trader Joe's. That's like, I don't know. It's like peach. I was about wine. to say out of a plastic cup, but then I remembered you're moving. Nicole yeah, packed. Talk about that. Nicole packed all of my glass, <laughs> and I thought the bottle would be a lot. Kinsey, how you much visited you your have? apartment. You visited your apartment recently. Oh, she went to sleep. Okay, guys. <laughs> okay, so last year before I'm convinced a man who's currently dying on my couch so hopefully he can hear me before i convinced him to fall we, in love wait wait with me. question we're talking about moving now i'm really curious about how we're going all the way back to last year last year before gonna start I, from the beginning <laughs> it's I an con- origin story before <laughs> i convinced this man to fall in love with me i looked at these apartments called and i loved them but i couldn't afford to live in them and so i moved into this little house that i live in right now that is on the prairie so I moved to this little house that honestly is like kind of small for what I was looking for, but it was a good price. It was like only like $200 more than what I was currently paying. And I could afford that on my own. In that amount of time, I've been with my boyfriend for like almost nine months at this point, And I met with my landlord, I don't know, in September. And she was like, yeah, you're really lucky you signed a three-year lease because we're going to raise rent prices on the other side of the duplex that you currently live in. And I was like, I didn't sign a three-year lease. She's like, yeah, you did. And I'm like, no. And so she, I, in my mind, I knew she was confused because I have a three-year lease with her for my office space, but not here. And like five weeks later, she's like, oh yeah, I was wrong. So we are raising rent $300 a month for you. And you have to sign a three-year lease to stay here. So now I get to move into the expensive apartments I couldn't afford in the first place. And Gus is coming too. Yay! Three-year, three three years is a long time to sign for a lease. For a duplex. For I've been married now for three years, right? Wow, you have. That's a great question. I don't years. actually remember. Kevin. <laughs> was it two or three? Anyway, it's, it's been definitely at least two. more than two. So then it's three. I've been married for three years. So that's how long you would have stayed there. So think since my long enough day. for us to forget. I just how long it's been. I literally don't have room for any more things in this house. So I literally had to, I would have had to say, I'm not buying a single new thing for the next three years. That's just not my lifestyle. So yeah, we know. 
See, I'm on the opposite side. I'm in the process of throwing shit out. Every time everybody in my house is gone, I throw more stuff out. Right, but it's none lovely. of this stuff is yours. It doesn't have to be. Not when it goes she on the side. She didn't, come, she didn't come with anything. Right, it's not your stuff. I can but, throw other people's stuff away, too. I came with clothes and a bag every once in a while, but I'm getting more stuff, but no. that You were literally but, Gus. We started out with Gus's bringing an entire second bedroom of stuff. Then it turned into, I'm just bringing two pieces of furniture. Now it's, I'm just going to bring my clothes. I don't know what happened. He just keeps changing his mind. Kinsey, <laughs> zero to 10. Zero to 10. How excited are you to move in with Gus? Um, so, don't worry, listeners. He doesn't listen to this. <laughs> he has never listened. He doesn't like to hear me talk more than he has to. Um, yeah, Kinsey. We don't I, actually like it either. I know. I'm really excited, but I don't know when Gus is officially moving in. So I don't know how to answer that because we're technically getting our keys to our apartment on Friday, which is very exciting. But Gus, I don't know when he's moving in. Story? Um, So he's just going to pay rent and then not live there? Yeah, it's like a whole thing. Um, He doesn't want to leave the dog and we haven't fully acquainted the dog to the cats. And yeah. This is an outside podcast story. Yeah. yeah. So we'll hopefully, hopefully soon. Um, I can't necessarily just leave the, throw all the animals in the living room together and hope for the best. So I'm not so really this sure. Is gonna be, we've discussed this before. This is going to be Kinsey's first time living with a boy. My we first have, Yeah. This, now, granted, I don't think that if it were Kayla or I in the situation, I know we've already lived with boys, but I don't think we would be thinking much about it. You living with anybody would be interesting, much less a boy. I've lived with you yeah, for Yeah, I'm days. really scared. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I have seen you through... I we have always say this you, kindly. We have seen you through all sorts of different relationships. Business, school, and we're the only two bitches left. And Ashley. Well, and Ashley. My favorite person, by the way. But to be fair, Ashley is still fairly new. Fairly. I have Ashley's a, nice to know. Listeners, listeners, let's be clear. I have a lot of friends from college still. I didn't just, no, they just disowned me. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. I thought you were going to stick why. up for yourself. Is that what that was? <laughs> I really thought you were about to say, I have friends from college. They're just making, but you literally just backed no, our she, argument, right? She, yeah, no, she did you agrees with us. Oh no, Purposely? I would I would never move in with somebody that's not a long-term committed partner because I know better. I know how I am. I can't wait. This is gonna go so well. Kenzie, how would you describe yourself? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. No. No, I mean legitimately, no, not not negative self-esteem time. I mean, if you if you were not you and you were describing oh. yourself to somebody else, your characteristics not negative self-esteem time. Let me repeat mm-hmm. you with that. I'm ready. She said, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, intelligent. Interesting start. Passionate. Charismatic. And altruistic. Mm-hmm. That explains words. a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I fully understand. <laughs> awareness doesn't have to be a strong suit for everybody. No, no. You know? <laughs> I, I, no, no. I know 
I'm terrible, but I'm going to treat this like a job interview where I want them to think these are good qualities, right? So I'm using good adjectives to describe. Okay, so I'm reframing. Reframing. Passionate. Unstable. Means. Okay. Altruistic. I'm wondering about I that think, one a lot. No, no, I do think I'm altruistic. I volunteer a lot. And okay, I think so that one's a true one. I feel like I'm all, because this I do a fun. lot of volunteer work. Yeah. Charismatic. Uh, crazy. <laughs> crazy. Crazy is good. Yeah. And loud. Yeah. <laughs> Kayla, how would you describe yourself? Oh, oh, what are we doing right now? I don't know. But I like this. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, God. The way that she's acting, it just kind of felt like somehow we just ended up in couples therapy. I know. <laughs> okay, Kayla, your turn. <laughs> I felt I felt it too. Like we're in a Um it's a it's a I think I am, my bad. It is, yeah, I do that in session a lot when I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I think I am organized. Um Hyper organized. Obsessive Hyper is organized. a word I would yeah. use, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am um mm, I don't know. I wanna <laughs> say like I wanna say like You know what I think you're doing? I think you're battling what you might want yourself to be and what people perceive you as. No, I know that I'm anxious, but I don't know if people see that. I know that I say that I think I'm it depends on the group, right? Right. It depends on like what, like people yeah. at work, they have no idea when I'm about to throw up in my pocket, you know? This is why yeah. I think the reframing words, right? Um, That's why I was trying to think of a different word. Unique. Uh, special. <laughs> I'm artsy. You are artsy. Artsy, yeah. I, I also um, have, no, I don't know how to say that either. How do I reframe that? Um, yeah, I guess just anxious. I'm just a little ball of anxious. All she has is art and anxiety. That's all her words. <laughs> art and anxiety. I'm, I'm anxious. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, no, uh, I also, I feel like I'm also pretty, like, stern, but, like, not in, oh, like, yeah. a parental way. Just, like, a... Bossy? I guess bossy. Rude? I'm a first <laughs> child. Oh, oh, and I'm also sarcastic as fuck. Yeah, people don't know how to take me. That's okay. That's why I only have you two. That's what I say. This is why we're all in a group together because we're the people <laughs> that not everybody can handle it. We're aware of that. I think we've all had to learn <clears throat> to be okay with ourselves, to love ourselves a lot. Hold the fuck on, a lot on, of people Annie. don't. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Tell us about you, Annie. Tell <laughs> me what are words you would use. What is it? I feel like I have two levels that are very opposing. I feel like if you're not very, you know close why? To me, you know why? You're because I'm either up or down. Because you're a fucking Libra. There we go. So if you don't know me very well, I probably appear very cold and Itchy. distant. That's one word Russian. that some people have used. <laughs> Very Russian, yes. Um, probably, probably very intelligent. If you know me well, then I'm probably your anxious, smart Alec, sarcastic, easily um, distracted, and a very weird mixture of organized disorganization. You are literally, chaos. Is I would use 
disorganized attachment for you, but not in your relationships with other people, in your relationship with the world. <laughs> disorganized attachment. You're like, I'm going to work really hard on this project for four minutes, and then I'm going to forget that it's there. Fuck that. I'll never forget the day... Kevin wasn't there and you decided to clear out a room and repaint it and you got halfway done and you're like, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. Or the day where she made, she made that thing. I don't even, she got something to put together and she just didn't read the instructions. She skipped the entire first page. She was like, the bookshelf. Ah, the bookshelf. She just said, I've no. never seen someone take so long to build a basically already <laughs> built bookshelf. Had, okay, but it had a whole first page of an example step. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out okay. what the parts or, I don't know who the fuck made that instruction manual, but that is so stupid. It was so mean. The, fir- the whole first page, everyone, was just an example of what the steps were going to look like. On the next page. So and she so was I so confused. So <laughs> she was so confused because she's like, I don't know how to do step one. Step one didn't exist. It was just an example. It wasn't there. <laughs> Who does that? Also, people like a good one was baby demons. And she said, guys, <laughs> I wrote myself a note and I know it was good, but I don't know what it means. No idea. Listen, it was listen. a note, though. That's organized. The when, chaos part comes when she doesn't remember <laughs> what the fuck the note means. When I went on vacation with um, Kevin and his daughter and all, she looked at me one point and she was like, you have Shout a lot out of sensory to- issues. Shout out to the better Kayla. Cheers to her. Okay. Cheers mm-hmm. to her. She said, you know, you have a lot of sensory issues. And I was like, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> oh, no. So, autism. Yeah. <laughs> so... Listeners, we'd love to hear from you how you describe yourself, both positive and negative characteristics. You can start off like Kinsey, where you um, talk actually about yourself. Yeah, no, just send us an email and analyze all of us. Listen, bullet points. I have made it my life's mission to get very far in the world with people thinking I'm better than I am. So I can I can reframe any negative characteristics you can think of. That's why she's the only one out of all of us who is finishing their doctorate degree. Mm-hmm. Annie will go That's back in a year for a month or two and then she'll finish it. She'll be done again and she'll just continue that cycle. I feel like teaching gives me the bit of school that I miss in my life. So I'll just teach every few years and that'll probably do it. I, I learned so much more teaching and I know that's, that's also why like um, teachers will have you do presentations because when you have to, really yeah. pull apart the information just like we do each week on a story, right? We have to actually delve into it and understand it to be able to teach it. So you read more, you invest more into it than just memorizing it for the test. But that's why I always say the problem with school is the fact that they grade. I will never learn as much when it's for a grade because I'll always be focused on the performance versus the education <clears throat> side. Yeah. I think there's I always start off with that, but that's where I went. Always a lot more to learn in this field for sure. But yeah, teaching is yeah. a great way to do that. Yeah, I miss teaching. I just need uh, Mercer to move closer. Mercer is far. I Mercer just, is far. it's so interesting to me because like, there are some stark differences between how Mercer does things in FSU and that it's one of them. Like they would just give you online classes if you taught here. And like, it, I never really thought about the fact that like Mercer doesn't do online classes. There's like 12 students. So like, it's just so interesting, right? Because the size of the system really does impact oh, yeah. levels. 
Yeah, so. I was also in an intro class, so made a difference too. All of our intro classes are online. I'm teaching the only in section class, the version of this class. Really? You don't have, wait, you don't have any intro classes in person? We do, but there's only like one or two. Most of them are yeah. online. Because this, they're so big, we don't, first of all, like they're like 300 person classes, so we don't have enough, we don't have a room big enough in our building for it. Second off, like yeah. most of the students, like they all have to take it. So like there's just too much demand. So there's limited options to take it in person. Here, there's three sections of my class that I'm teaching right now. I think I'm the only in-person one. Are you going to teach us today? Yeah, actually, I was thinking about it. Speaking of which. Well, um, yeah, speaking, I, because yesterday you found out you had the story today. <laughs> yeah, I got, I've had a lot going on, actually, you know, just a little bit. Just a couple of things, as this room is literally. Unusual. I want our listeners to picture, I have a, probably what a normal size bedroom I would say in like a normal house would be. That's my office. And it is stacked in like literally five boxes tall around my desk. And my dad left one tiny area for me to shuffle to my desk to sit and do this podcast today. That was his one job was make sure I can get to the desk for the podcast. And the rest of the room is covered in boxes. I think it's great that your family comes and helps you. They don't have a choice. I feel like, well, okay. What do you mean? Because you'll have them. You think they they would survive the the repercussions of them not coming to help her? What does John do when you throw a fit? Um, Depends on what we mean by fit. Temper tantrum. Uh, uh, A Kinsey tantrum. Overcompensates. (laughs) That sounds right. (laughs) One day I'm going to go talk to John and I'm going to tell him, you owe us. You owe Kayla and I so much. I want, I want restitution. He knows. Um, You know, I still think about that day that my, I still think about that day where that professor from our master's program that I really didn't like told me that my dad is not as great as I think he is. And I just want her (laughs) to know he's still great. He's still doing too much. So you're welcome. (laughs) I'm. I think it's great. Who the fuck said that to you? I do know. I know know who who said that to me. She literally said, "Your dad is not as awesome as you think he is." I think she thought I was. As in he. I think she thought that. I actually. I actually now thinking about this at this moment. I wonder if she thought I was borderline and that he was on a pedestal. Favorite personing. Yeah. Because the way she said it seemed very take him off the pedestal. And I'm curious if she thought that I have a personality disorder. Well, I mean, we've all wondered, but that's not the point. No, it's not. Don't say, that to the, don't say that to your student in the master's program. No. Well, we had a lot of professors take too much liberty with their opinions that they would throw out as expert when it was a very inappropriate moment to have an expert opinion. So definitely also diagnosed myself with everything in the DSM. Let's be clear, but we're, we're timing for sure. We're timing, <laughs> but I just, I just remember that <clears throat> moment and I think about it differently with my license now. So, but off topic, either way, um, I actually did what I would call actual research today. I went on Google scholar and brought you research from research articles, not the, 
I was going to say, you went to the library and found references to put on your index card? Well, I used used to do that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I used the FSU free library that I have access to since I go to school there. I miss that teaching. That's one of my favorite things. Annie, I literally thought of you. I was like, I can't wait to tell her I did this today because I'm sure she misses that. And if I love research, I knew so you did. Much. I know you do. So I have a variety of what I would bring normally, my pop culture research. And then I actually have some actual empirically validated research. So a little mix today. I'm so proud. I hope this is related to psychology. We'll see. If so, what a trifecta. I hope, I hope you guys like what I brought. I'm a, um, I, I get anxious when I try oh, something. I don't like new. it when you do this. Kinsey, I don't like wait, it when you start this no. way. Kinsey says, "I tried, and now I'm nervous. I tried my <laughs> best, and now I'm scared. I went out of my way and tried, like with because the because what if my best is not good enough? <laughs> like with the gambling episode. Don't forget, R.I.P. <laughs> I will never forget the gambling episode. Kim and I were like, well, that's a weird connection. I, I was like, whoa. I want I you to know, I started this story. I, I actually had three different stories for today because I couldn't pick a story because I couldn't find an angle for any of the things I was trying to talk about. And then one of them got really out of out of hand. So I put it a lot. <laughs> okay. This is going to go really point, well. You have to give, yeah, I got to know context at some point on that one. So, Kinsey, I'm excited to hear about your story today. Oh, so I started out with this thing I saw in psychology today with some sort of, Kayla might know this, it was some sort of new dating trend where it's called, like, pebbling or something. Oh, Kayla noticed that or know that. It sounds like something about penguins. It's on TikTok, but it's, like, breadcrumb. It's, like, a new term for breadcrumbing, basically. And I was going to do some research on that. No, maybe it wasn't. No, it wasn't pebbling. It was about piggy banking, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I started there. I couldn't find an angle. Then I read this really interesting article about what makes you happy and if you're actually happy and if happiness is I a know what you're talking concept. about. And I was going to talk what you're about, about TikTok. Oh, what is it called? Well, if it's piggy banking, then what you're talking about is where men start off. It's almost like um, love bombing with narcissism. Yes. Yeah. So I was going to talk yeah. about that, but I couldn't find a good angle. There's, it was love a- bombing and narcissism. Yes. So, and then I went into this really interesting thing about the idea of constructionism, constructivism approach and how it creates happiness and how happiness is made of construct. And I also didn't like that. So now we're on number three. This is my third story I came up with for today's episode. Well, if it's better than those two, I'm really excited because those were two very good topics that you should definitely take up in the future. Right. I might go back, but they were, I wasn't I think you should cover love bombing. I think a lot of listeners would overly relate to that story. Okay, we have okay. a very strong female demographic after all. Okay, then I will come back because I was like, mm. unless I steal it next week. Unless Kayla say. steals it. <laughs> well, pay, do the TikTok trend because I couldn't I, I couldn't get passionate about it. Does that ever happen to you guys? No. Mm. It's learning. And I hear myself talk. I'm always passionate when I hear myself talk. I just couldn't I couldn't get into the story. Hold on. I'm writing myself a note to go back to it on my app. Baby okay. demons. Baby demons. So today I have a variety of articles. I'm going to talk about a couple of research articles, but some of the main things I looked at were Google, people.com, Wikipedia, e-news, and then Google Scholar. So I want to talk about Kara Robinson. Do you guys know who she is? 
Mm, no. Not yet. Not so, like Mrs. Robinson, right? <laughs> in June of 2002, Kara Robinson's life changed as she knew it. She was in her best friend's yard, um, and uh, they have a really good movie. I'll go ahead and mention here. They have a movie. Is this about a sinkhole? No. Okay. Was a sinkhole. A sinkhole? Guys, sinkholes are so scary. They can just come whenever. I think a lot of kids stuff had like quicksand and sinkholes and like really terrified us. And I don't know how common those things actually are, but yeah, they are. In Florida? So common. Oh, do you know why? Feeder bands. Water. (laughs) Florida's going underwater, but that's a different story. So... There are a couple of movies, The Girl Who Escaped, The Kara Robinson Story, Escaping Captivity, The Kara Robinson Story, and it was an episode of Deadly Sins. This sounds so familiar. Called Insatiable. Why do I know this? She also has a podcast called Survivor's Guide to True Crime, and it's hosted by her and her sister, Kara. I'm sorry, her and her sister, Kimberly. So, Kara Robinson, um, they do a really good job of doing this in the Lifetime movie, which it is a Lifetime movie, so very, like... C rating at best, but basically she goes over to her best friend's not house for a sleepover. I do too, but it's not like a, it's not like a, not like an Emmy award winner. Mm. Um, she goes to her best friend's house. They have a sleepover. She goes outside. I don't know how true to the story the movie is, but in the movie, she basically like her friends, like I'm going to take a shower before we go wherever they're going, the beach or something for the day. She's like, I have to water the plants. And Kara's like, okay, I'll go water them for you. So we don't have to wait as long. So she's outside and this man pop- comes up and is like, hey, we got to uh, shoot in the shit and ask her to hold on to something in his hands. And when she grabs the newspaper or magazines in his hands. <gasps> Wait. I think I know the story. <laughs> she feels a gun in his hands. And he basically is like, get in the car. He puts her in a car inside of a big, um, what are those things called? The big a, ca- a carrying box. A, yeah. A tote box. Tote box. Yeah. Um, and the man that got there, his name was Richard Yvonne, Yvonne's. And he is 38 years old and um, has later been found out to have previous kidnapped and killed several girls. A lot of the articles say three girls, but based on my research today, this number is not three. So we have Sarah Cherry and Caroline McDaniel, Sophia Marlene Silva, and then Krista and Katie Lisk. So that's five girls. So I'm, I was unclear why the article said he killed three because it's clearly five with an attempted six. But um, he had killed several people in Virginia. Wonder if he wasn't convicted of them all. Right. It it was weird. So he basically um he held her for 18 hours and she did escape, which is clear based on the information I just gave you guys. Um and I have some information about why they think she was able to like make her escape that I want to talk about, as well as then some further research on a different topic within this story. But um it's really interesting because he basically once they found the house, which we'll get into in a second, they found all of this stuff convicting him of all these other murders. Like he was a serial killer on the loose and no one knew it. So it's just like this idea that like people are getting away with very scary crimes and we don't know it. But the first article I want to start with does a really good job of talking about how she got out. So first and foremost, unfortunately this um, story today does involve some sexual abuse. So trigger warning for that, but she was tortured for 18 hours and she was able to, um, to keep calm and collect information during this time, which I thought was really interesting and well done in the movie that they presented. Um, she told people, people that once she was forced inside the bin in the backseat of the car, 
She began counting the turns he made in hopes of finding her way home later. And let's keep in mind, like this girl is young. I have no idea like how she knew to do all these things. She's a teenager at the time. Um, yeah. She, how old was she? She was like 14, right? I think she, I also thought she was 14, wow. but I actually don't see it on here. Um, but I'm pretty sure she was 14 and she's counting she's the young. amount of turns his car is taking. She's noticing that he's listening to classical rock music and smoking Marlboro red cigarettes. Like, she memorized the serial number on the inside of the plastic container. And like, you see her do this in the movie where she's like repeating these numbers to herself so she can identify this man later. And she told people her survival mechanism was let's gather as much information as we can. Um, and on the way to his apartment, he pulled over and then put handcuffs and a gag on her. Um, he did this pretty early on in the movie. So I'm not sure if that timeline was correct in the movie. Um, and then he took her to what described as his cluttered apartment, where he also has a guinea pig, a lizard, and other small animals, and continued to sexually assault her for 18 hours. Um, she continued to find names to identify him. In the movie, you see her read the doctor's information on his fridge to remember who, what doctors he sees. Um, and when he wanted her to have some food, she says, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to eat right now, but is there anything I can do for you? And she ends up sweeping his kitchen. Um, so then the, in the dawn hours after he fell asleep, she was able to free one hand from her handcuffs and um, with her teeth, unclip a leather leg restraint that was attached to her foot of the bed and tipped it to the front door and unbolt the two locks. And like, if you guys ever do watch this movie, like she really was like from what they showed tied up in all sorts of areas. And then as well as the fact that he had like bars in front of his door and several locks. Um she ran towards a car in the parking lot and flagged down two men who took her to the police station where she recounted what happened to her and asked the officers to take her back to the apartment. And because of all the things that she noticed, she was able to help them find this guy. When they got there, they found the big trunk, um, a big footlocker that had newspaper clippings about all the unsolved murders. And this had been going on for five years before her abduction. Um, the murders had gone cold up until this point and they did find forensic evidence leaking him to all this as well as some fingerprints of hers inside of his car. Unfortunately, basically he calls his sister and tells her what happened. They go on a high speed race and he ends up um, running over spike stripes on the highway and being attacked by a police dog and then killing himself by shooting himself. He, Chicken. Uh, yeah. And even more unfortunate is during all this time, basically they found out he is married and he had sent his wife on a trip with her sister to Disneyland or Disney world, whichever one's in Florida to distract her for the weekend so that he could commit this awful crime. Um, so she has continued to become a public speaker on all these matters of child abduction and stuff. And has really done a lot of good work on that. She's also connected with Elizabeth smart. Who's another well-known abduction case. Um, and they've done a lot of things together. And she says that it's one of the most important things that's ever happened to me. It brought home the importance of what I did. And it felt like I'm actually giving these families something that they would never have gotten without me with her speaking and stuff. And helps people find closure with their daughter's murders when they didn't know what was happening before. So. Lots of stuff that was going on there. And. Overall, I found her story really interesting, but I have talked about quite a lot of stories like this before. So I thought, what are we going to talk about today that's different, ladies? And I know. What is it? Chunking. Chunk. Memory. What a good guess. No. 
That's probably better than what I was going to talk about, honestly. Um, Damn it! <laughs> you know, why I thought we were going to talk about chunking. Why don't you just take over? No. <laughs> so I actually started doing some really interesting research. Number one on what do we know about child abuse? Um, something that's come to mind during my time teaching the class that I teach right now is this idea that stranger danger is still a very prevalent topic that's going around in our society. And stranger danger is rarely a real thing. The people that are abducting children and taking advantage of them are rarely going to be some guy that just walks up to your kid's house and takes her friend at a sleepover. So I started doing some research on what kind of victimization are we currently seeing? Um, the first article that I looked into is by Bordreau, Lord and Edder, and it talks, it's called Child Abduction and Overview of Current and Historical Perspectives. And it talks about how, I mean, I think we can all assume this, but the abductor typology is 87% men. So 87% of the people that are abducting children are going to be a man and 71% are white. And typically we're going to see people who abduct are going to abduct people of their same race. I will go ahead and put this forefront here. Um, a lot of the research that's being done on this is going to say, like, we don't really know a lot about it, which is why I wanted to bring it up today to talk about with other licensed therapists, but also um, a lot of the research is not necessarily only talking about child abduction of children you are not related to. I saw a lot of overlapping research where it talks about parents who take the child away from the other parents. So that is mm-hmm. also included in child abduction here. It's not just That's a lot of, I was going to ask that question because I know a lot, a lot of Amber alerts are actually just like mm-hmm. parents taking yep. off with their own child that they don't have custody of. I saw that a lot. I didn't do a ton. I didn't do like, scholarly level empirical research on this, but I saw a lot of overlap in the three articles I looked at that were empirical. Like I did a lot. I, I looked at articles that had looked at um, like our history of research on this topic. So a lot of like historical overviews and all of them also were saying like, there's a lot of overlap between like kids that are getting abducted by people they don't necessarily know or people they're not related to. And then kid that also a lot of kids that are getting abducted because of a divorce or a parent who wants to take them away from the other parent. So we're going to see it's mostly white men. Um, Typically, there is going to be more young girls that are kidnapped than young boys. Um, Child sex offenders are more likely to select female victims than males. But um, interestingly enough, male and females are equally likely to be abducted by a parent. Um, Some of the really cringy facts that I found here today, some of the ones that are a little bit more disturbing, cringy is not even a good enough word, um, They've done some research that shows that being pretty is important to 42% of child abductors. Child's dress is important to 27%. Their physical size is important to 18%. I'm looking at seeing look, looking for a certain size or age. Um, they are looking for children who lack self-esteem and confidence. 49% said that was important. 13% look for innocence and trusting. Um, most of the time, Offenders are going to use the same techniques over and over again and maybe different fashions to abduct their victims. So we could assume that this guy that abducted Kara Robinson was using a lot of these same techniques over and over again because 84% of abductors do. And only 19% of those people use physical force. They use other methods such as like, I have a gun, I'm going to hurt you, threatening families, verbal, emotional coercion. As we talked about before in my one of my previous episodes, Grooming is a big one. Children get abducted because they feel like they're safe and they don't know any better. Um, But we are going to look for a variety of things. They also said that there's going to be your typical things that you see in most victim, uh, most crimes of opportunity. It's going to be based on 
who's around them, who they have easy access to, what time, date, and place they can do it, where they're least likely to get caught, stuff like that. What do I have access to? So just to begin, like this crime that we see, um, I don't, I didn't do a lot of research on this dude. His name does not sound like he's a white man. His last name is Ivantis. Ivanis. He sounds not necessarily white to me, but he is a white or he is a man. He, he's, that sounds like the whitest name I've ever heard. Ivanis. E v o n i t z. Sounds Hispanic to me. Is this another part we have to edit out? <laughs> Probably. I I don't. I'll start over the sentence. I don't know this guy's uh, racial or ethnic history, but um, he is a man who is abducting a girl. Um, they did say that there was some research that showed that like boys are more likely to get abducted later on as teenagers than girls, and like age does determine the gender aspect of this. But this is a pretty stereotypical. I mean, he did not use physical force to get her in the car. He threatened her to get in the car. So this is going to be typical of what we see. She's a pretty young girl. Um, His name is the whitest fucking name you're ever going to hear, except for the last name. Richard Mark Edward Ivanitz. What? I didn't have have all that. I just have Richard. (laughs) But it says white. Anyways, go ahead. Well, then I'll read. So this man. You don't our, have to repeat it all. After our brief intermission, we found out he is So going into this, you know, like me and my co-host here, listeners, we are all family therapists. So I got to looking into some of this um, systems theory information that they have. And I thought that was a little interesting. Why are you smiling at me? Because I didn't know what you're about to say. Was, I didn't know either. I it could have been anything. Don't smile at me. You said my co-host and I, and I was like, oh, okay. We I'm are gonna... family therapists. <laughs> um, we are? Uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> so I looked into two articles after that that talked a little bit about the systems aspect of this that I thought were interesting and something that we haven't necessarily talked about here. So the first one is by Spillman, and it's Child Abduction, Parental Distress, and Social Support. And the second one is a Parental Report on Long-Term Consequences for children of abduction by the other parents, which is grief 2000. So again, we see a little bit of overlap there with like some of these children are being abducted by a parent, but like I was thinking, what is this like for the parents and how, what does long-term look like for that? Because I was thinking about, you know, we've talked about PTSD. We've talked about all of these different crimes that have happened. I brought up a lot of stories on this, but like, and clearly, like, there's a lot of information that can be done with that. But what happens to the other people that this crime impacts? What happens to the parent who doesn't know where their child is for an extended period of time? What happens to their loved ones? How did they deal with that? So, interestingly enough, um, very little is known. The, the sentence that they use in these articles is almost word for word, which I thought was interesting. But very little is known in general about the long-term consequences of abduction on the victim and the family unit. So we maybe have a long-term understanding of how PTSD impacts a child, but we don't necessarily have a long-term understanding of what this specific type of victimization has on the child or the family unit. Um, researchers like have been you, said, what? I like when you, um, your pauses in between. It's She's like praying. <laughs> Researchers have a limited understanding of the ways families cope with the impact of these criminal victimizations. Um, One of the things that they saw in the grief article is that religion is a great haven for these adults, but it specifically again, looked at people whose ex partner 
took their child, right? There's looking at the other parent taking the child and they're saying religion was found to be helpful for nearly half of the people in that study. Um, Mm -hmm. Less, very little is known about how people cope with child abduction. Um, There honestly were not a lot of articles that were specifically on this topic. They were about other sorts of things that were coming up on Google scholar. And um, even though we see that the child abduction is obviously a stressful event, certain factors are going to affect the likelihood of parents being in a state of distress about the abduction. Um, a really good quote that they have in the Holmes, or I'm sorry, in the Spillman article by Holmes and Ray and class is the psychological literature states that the loss of a child is one of the most distressing events an adult can experience. And I think I would agree with that. And, you know, if we ever, we did a grief and loss class in our masters and I've always thought about like what we learned there about ambiguous loss, right? Like this idea that like, we don't know what's going on with somebody. They're not physically present. They're not dead. They're kind of in this no man's land. And we don't know how to deal with that kind of stuff with our brains. Don't know how to process that. Um, So some of the things that would impact a family unit's ability to deal with this stress are prior family stresses, age of the child, what happens to the child? Like, do they come back? Do they not? Were they sexually victimized? Were they not? Um, And as well as, you know, some of the typical things that we've talked about in this podcast before with social support, like who's our support network? What resources do we have? What is our religious background? What's our community background? What are the ways that we're being impacted by stress in other aspects of our lives? And, you know, it's interesting because while they're saying that we don't know a ton about this information, they're also saying that we don't understand why it impacts certain families differently than other families. And so all in all, like, there is not a ton of research on this, but I thought it would be an interesting kind of discussion for us to have on, like, what you guys think. And um, in this case in particular, like, they did a really good job of showing, like, this mom and how distressed she was, obviously, that her daughter goes missing. But keep in mind, this girl was gone for less than 24 hours. And so the amount of distress that she would experience is going to be different than someone whose child is gone and never comes home. It's going to be different than someone whose child is gone for an extended period of time. Um, the book that we're reading for book club right now, the girl's gone for a year. Like it's a completely different level of distress. And I, I, as we know from our trauma research, bodies hold on to stress like that and it causes long-term negative health outcomes. And so just kind of recognizing that that can impact the whole family system not just the person that's going through the crime and depending on your attachment style to your child, as well as a lot of other factors, I'm sure this could have just as negative an outcome for them as it does for the person that is being the victim in the crime. So thoughts, comments, questions. Well, so I use the, the term um, ambiguous loss and we've used it before, but just to remind listeners um, ambiguous loss is a loss that occurs um, when the physical body is um, present, but the mind might be gone or it just feels like they're gone, but they're actually there. So they're kind of unreachable in a way. So we use a lot of um, times the example of like Alzheimer's or dementia patients Um so you feel like you've already lost them. And I think about how it is ambiguous loss, but one of the differences, like if you were to have an Alzheimer's patient that you, that you mourn the loss of, cause you, you know, like say it's a parent, um, you don't necessarily feel guilty for trying to deal with the loss and move forward with your life. 
But if you have a child that goes missing for, um, of course, an unknown amount of time, I haven't done a ton of research, but I think it's safe to assume that there's a lot of guilt in trying to move forward with your life. And so I feel like a lot of your life is on hold because you're just waiting for them to come back because you don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually have a few thoughts on that. Um, surprising. Yeah, I have some. Um, so I'm not sure if I've mentioned that in the past, like on the, on the podcast, I'm not sure that I've mentioned that I grew up on base and my dad was in the air force. Um, and I was on living on base when the Iraq war broke out. And so I knew a lot of families who their mostly dads were deployed. Um, they were sent on sent overseas for the war. Um, and so pretty much every single night we would be watching the news because they always had a list of the fallen. Um, pretty much running all the time. Um, and so like watching the news, you would be watching for someone's name to pop up. Um, and I know that this is very different from like kidnapping and from child abduction, but it just reminds like the uh, ambiguous loss of someone being taken away from you. Um, like the parent, the parents in like an abduction case, they don't know where their child is taken to, right? Yeah, and I feel like that is comparable to like your loved one being overseas. Like you don't know where the fuck they are. You don't know where they went missing. Like you just can't. There's there's not a lot of closure, and there's not a there's not really a place for you to start looking either. Right. Well, and I'm sure that we've all been in a position where somebody that we love. And this is on a lower level, but where someone that we love is unreachable for a time mm-hmm. where we all of a sudden start panicking and we wonder what's going on. We think of the worst situation and that's just because they're not answering the phone for a bit or they didn't check in or they're running late or something. Um, but imagine knowing that somebody has taken your child um, against your will illegally And if they're going to do that, where your mind would go to automatically, there is no, um, like if I were working with a client in in many other situations, we're going to say, well, let's try and think optimistically what's going to happen. But I don't even know if it would be fair at that point to tell a parent, but let's think optimistically. Um, Well, that's like, that's very similar to telling someone they're in a better place when someone passes away. That's not what, that's not what people want to hear. They want to be able to process what they're scared of like yeah it's it that's very similar to like oh let's mm-hmm. think positively for fucking what it's there's right. nothing yeah. positive about it right yeah and both so, of these are like good examples for like the systems aspect of trauma right well i'm also while you were talking earlier too i was thinking about like okay so what about all the families who don't get media what about all of the families yeah. who don't have resources what are the steps that families can even take if they're, you know, if they, one, 
either don't get along with their families. They don't have the support that they need. Their parents are strung out. Like there's so many different like obstacles to even being able to find closure with something like that or like even just starting like a search party for your child. Like there And we don't have stats on return rate, right? No, I don't. Yeah. I think that would I mean, because I I'm thinking about how you're talking about, you know, how what support do you find? Um, there was a TikTok story the other day that I saw about a um, woman who went missing. I think she went down to God, I can't remember where she visited for a yoga retreat. It's a huge it was a huge story for like two days. Um, and her family actually hired a um, ex-SEALs team or something um, to go in and, and search the lake that they said that she drowned in. So I think about that, but that's if you have money to do that. Right. But right. I think the reality is a lot of times they, I think it, depending on the situation, they don't necessarily come back. You don't do you, anything else except for wait. Right. And I mean, even if, even if you had the money, you might not have the education to think of what your resources could be. Like, how do you even find that? I wouldn't even know where to start. And I feel like I'm pretty well educated in like the different resources that I have, or at least how to find them. Mm -hmm. Right. What about all of these people who want like English is their second language? They don't have the education for any of this. Um, they don't have the resources to get support or find mental health help. Like there, and yeah, I wish that there was more information about how it impacts the parents. But I that that's some really difficult research to get a hold of. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think. Um... You have to have people that are willing to unpack that trauma with you to do this kind of research. And that's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I think I just like this idea of like, as well as like, I mean, they say that losing a child in general is very traumatic. So to lose a child to such a, such a difficult, in such a difficult way, like that's a whole different level of trauma. Yeah. And I feel like the, I feel like the, the, this is why people find peace and finding support groups um, who uh, of people who have experienced something like this because they will get the they will get the therapists who are like okay well let's think about the positive outcomes or, or of what this could be or okay let's think and then you have all these family members who they don't know how to handle it either but people find family in finding support groups who are uh, with people in them who are similar to them and whose situations are similar to them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I'm sitting here thinking about like, if I actually had a parent in my office um, and the closest that I can get to is the parents that I've worked with of children who have had major drug addictions mm-hmm. um, that are in no contact with them. They don't know if they're dead or alive yeah. Um, that every once in a while they'll get some like contact from a contact, you know, like a family member will hear them, you know, hear from them because of money or something. And how a lot of times they're living with the notion that at any point their child could be dead and they won't know if ever for a while, unless, you know, the cops have some information on them, um, you know, like in the, in the system or something. 
Um, but that's about as close as you can get. And he, I think we're with that. And I hate to use the phrase, but there is at least the consolation um, that to a small degree, it, there was a choice to a small degree. I, I say that um, we're with an abduction. It's, it's a crime against somebody. And so I mean, like, how do you even, I mean, what do you tell him? You know, oh, let's just, let's take a deep breath and notice our feelings. Like I, I can't even imagine trying it's, it's the equivalent to me of trying to talk to somebody about mindfulness when they don't have food on their table. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be the equivalent for me. How can I tell you about how to take care of yourself? If you don't know if your child is it's crisis. literally getting tortured. I, it's yeah. crisis management. I really yeah. do. I feel like, uh, this is not my, this is a controversial topic, but I feel like mindfulness is a rich people tactic. Like I, the people that have time. Oh, it's very privileged. privileged. It's yeah. very privileged. The people that have time to But therapy that, itself is also privileged. Yeah. No, you're right. It's just, it sucks. Like a lot, because I, I do think for us, all of us, a lot of the work is crisis management. So what I'm supposed to just be like, okay, let's. Let's be more mindful. That'll help. Like that's if you have all your ducks in a row, that's if things are handled. That's if you have time to be mindful. Mm -hmm. No, that's why I like um, using the Maslow's hierarchy, um, which we discussed before. You can go and find out what it is, but um, because I, I consider how mental health, even considering your own mental health is itself a privilege. And, and so I just, you know, I think if we're looking at this level of trauma, um, of a uh, of a acute trauma, right? So it's not even like looking at the future, but just acute trauma of what's happening right now in their life. You're not talking about trying to get better. You're talking about, like you mentioned the word crisis management. Now, if they were returned, then you're talking about a lot of supporting the individual while also practicing mm-hmm. self-care, working through the fear, the paranoia of losing them. I feel like I could adequately handle that even without having like the specialized training for it. Because I feel like at that point, you're dealing with a lot of similar things. Not that I could benefit from it, but I feel like, you know, any of us could handle that. Um, but dealing with it acutely? No, that would I be think, a tough one. No, I, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not trained in that at all. But I, I have a feeling that a lot of it would just be, like, making sure your client is, like, eating. Like, yeah, make sure you're drinking water and eating and, like, sleeping without uh, drugs or alcohol, you know? But I do think voicing the fears would be a place that I, I, cause I do that sometimes with people um, not only just like lower level anxiety, like what's, you know, what's worst case scenario, but also saying the thing that they're scared of. So that, you know, like they're talking about a relationship, they're kind of dancing around that they think somebody's cheating on them. Well, say what you're, say what you're actually worried about. What you're actually worried about is the heartbreak. So that, you know, in this situation, getting them to kind of open up and really face that absolute awful fear would be the only place that I could even see to start on a therapeutic level, not yeah. just crisis management. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard work. That's tough. Yeah. That's burnout shit. Yeah. Trauma work itself, I think is a, an easy way to get burnt out. Well, cause I can, I just think about it. Like if just, I don't even have a child, but if Kevin went missing and I, and I didn't know where he was, I can't imagine yeah. the guilt and shame I would feel if after whatever amount of time I decided I had to move forward. I mm-hmm. cannot imagine that decision, much less as a parent to decide. And think about it, if you have other children, mm-hmm. you still have to be a parent to them. You still have to go to work. 
But then at some point you, you have to decide to live your life right. in whatever capacity you feel you can. Right. No. And uh, that's probably part of it, right? Like as a parent, you're taught, like you're supposed to be protecting this person. And sometimes that's just not possible. Yeah. Well, that's where a lot of those passion, everything. sorry. That's where a lot of those passion projects come in, right? That's how you get the uh, projects for finding like, like children. Yeah. Like you get all of those different, um, are they like, what are they? They're Mad? not like nonprofits. Are they nonprofits or are they like, some, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, like I guess, I guess, I guess that's what they are, but either way, that's where a lot of people find, uh, a way to move forward is they're like, okay, well, if I can't do anything about my child missing, I'm going to try to create something to prevent it in the future for someone else. Or like they're trying to make meaning of their life in a different way. Yeah. Um, and that's where a lot of that comes from. Right. But so yeah, job, definitely look into her information. She's got a podcast. She's got, lots of speeches that she gives. And I think, like you said, she, this is her passion and she uses, she ended up getting like $150,000 off of helping solve some of these cases or something like that. So she uses that money and whatever money she's making off of these things to help other families in need. I'm sure. So she is so well-spoken and very confident. She's had some work done mentally. Is she gifted? Say mean? it again. Like, like neurodivergent gifted? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. It said on her stuff that she's like, um, she's like trained. Uh, let's see. On her website, it, it has a good phrasing for it. She's a really great speaker. She can detail the account, like the accounts of the. That's why I wonder, though, because having that level of like detail orientation to That's remember. I feel like that that is like a neurodivergent trait, like somewhere between like autism and gifted. Well, okay, it so- could be that, but it also could be like that's a, a survival strategy. Um, but like, unless you've had training. No, that's what I was saying. That's what it says. Oh, okay, okay. That's what I'm trying to say. It's she's a sought after media trained survivor and keynote speaker. Now, so- though, but I mean, at the time. Oh, I don't know. Because I feel like you're like Girl Scouts, you know, it's like if you're in Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts and then a 14 year old survives a couple of days in the woods, you know, and they built a fire and they have a little abode there. You go, oh, well, they had Boy Scouts training. If they never had anything like that, they didn't well, go in the I woods. Like, you're going, what the hell? I feel like she was told by someone. If yeah. I might be thinking of someone else, but I think her dad told her it's like. possible. If you, if you, if this ever happens, do this, this, and this, or like maybe her family was very adamant. Or she reads a lot of books like that. Forensic files, watches a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't don't know how she knew that. And just to clarify earlier, we misspoke. She was 15 when this happened. Okay. So. How does that sound so different from 14? I picture a 15 year old and 14 year old. Very different. I do do too, actually. I do too. So yeah, she's got several uh, projects that she's working on according to her website she's got it's called kara robinson chamberlain.com she's got and she's how old now oh i don't i don't this was in 2002 when she was 15 so that's 21 years ago whoever can so do math hurry annie so she's got <laughs> it ain't gonna happen 30. <laughs> 27 
No. What were the numbers again? No. What were the numbers? 15 <laughs> plus what? 21. She's 36. So close. Um, so she I, have has to, a, I have to draw it. I have to draw it in my head. So anyway. She has something called Bag Partners. In the fall of 2002, she started a nonprofit project mm-hmm. where she does self-care bags for sexual assault survivors in her area, which is great. And she has a book and all sorts of stuff. She's got a lot of stuff going on. So, Oh, I'm sorry. Book coming soon. So definitely check her out. And like I said, she's friends with Elizabeth smart and that's another big story. So lots I think of stuff they do. That, they do speeches together sometimes. That's what I saw. Yeah. But good job. Ken's. Wasn't as scary as you thought. I was actually kind of worried that you weren't going to incorporate psychology for a second, but I forget you like the sociology part, mm-hmm. the systems stuff. I forget. I do. I do like systems, and we are systems, so. Nah. Ta-da. Kayla said she doesn't want to identify as systems anymore. <gasps> well, since you didn't talk about chunking, maybe I will next week. <laughs> Kayla, stop stealing all my stories. You didn't even think about <laughs> chunking. No, you tried to steal the other one too, though. You didn't even think about it. I don't even know what that means. You forgot pebbling. Talk about pebbling, Kayla. <laughs> okay, I'll talk about pebbling and chunking and piggy banking. Okay, so listeners, we have all kind of social media. Just follow us, like us, share us. Um, yeah, follow us everywhere. Send us messages and money. <laughs> Love you guys. It's fine. So until then, we hope you stay mental, stay morbid, and we'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> Mentally morbid.